This is a production from the Yak Podcasting Network. The home for your growing sonic map of local voices united in their commitment to the best in podcasting. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to From the Felt, brought to you by the Texas Card House. My name is Ryan Crow, and I'm your host here today with Bill Hewer and Sam Von Kennel. Guys, how you doing today? Hey, good morning, Ryan. Uh, good morning from Austin. Uh, early morning drive to get here to be with you guys today, but I'm so happy I came. It's a beautiful day in Austin. Yeah, I don't remember the last time I saw nine o'clock in the morning, but uh, this is this is nice nice view from the thirtieth floor downtown, and it is nice, bright, and early. Yeah, I was up all night crying about that LSU Texas game. Kind of rough, but uh, you know it was a good game. You got you guys go to it. No, I watched the uh, Texans Saints game last night, and the Texans lost that one too. So, so I last minute you. field goal, huh? Or last yeah. second field goal. Yeah, I watched the Longhorn game from Card House here in Austin, and the whole room was cheering for UT. Other than maybe me and three or four other people that looked like geniuses for buying the LSU minus seven down to LSU minus six and a half, it was probably the best best twenty extra percents of juice that I've ever paid in my life to buy that half a point. I think we should just kick him out of the room right now. <laughs> what the, what the heck's going? You know, everybody, everybody's a sore loser, but you know, winning—you don't win often. You got to gloat when you do. Uh, that's, that's awesome. Well, uh, you know, today we're all together in Austin, and we're actually, uh, as promised, meeting with a couple of special guests. Uh, we have with us today Craig Chick, James Clark, and Amy Beard, uh, who, who all of whom are lobbyists that work with the Social Car Clubs of Texas. Um, Mr. Chick, who uh, worked with Foley Gardeer, and Amy Beard, also with Foley Gardeer. Um, uh, have been working with us for gosh, how long? Almost two years. And James, it's been close to a year, right? Yeah, close to from a year. Much better year when we started talking about it last year. Great. Well, thank you all for coming on. Uh, how are you guys doing today? Doing great. Doing good. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Awesome. Uh, well, I, I think one of the things that we're going to do today is kind of dive in and talk a little bit about, um, you know, for, for, for most poker players in the state of Texas, I don't think people have a general awareness of like what goes on at the state level. Uh, and, and by that, I mean, like, how are laws made? You know, what, what do lobbyists actually do? Um, how does that have anything to do with poker in Texas? So we wanted to kind of dive into that a little bit and talk about, you know, what the Social Car Clubs of Texas does for the poker players in Texas, um, how you guys work with Scott. Uh, I'll call it Scott for short. Uh, and, and really just kind of inform our listeners about, you know, what's going on and so and just what happens, uh, you know, at that level. So um, could one of you just give us a, a quick idea of maybe just – your background. Let's just go through and kind of give a little bit of your background, and kind of how you got into lobbyists, you know, what or lobbying, and kind of what your roles are, and just just so our listeners kind of have a good idea of who you are. It's not just poker players who don't understand what we do. It's it's most of the population. You know, it, it, most people know about lobbying is what they see on the nightly news, and they think we're all scumbags. And uh, uh, I really think they think we're drowning people in the river at least weekly. <laughs> so it doesn't happen that way. Yeah, it's definitely like not an episode <laughs> of House of Cards. Absolutely. Yeah. We've all seen a house of cards. It's a, yeah, we, we all know how lobbying works. It's well, a lot more know, boring than that. Really? We're just educators. Yeah. Uh, we take the position of our clients that we represent and we teach a, um, the, the members of the legislature, both the house and the Senate and executive branch, uh, uh, about those issues. And, and so James, how long have you been doing this? I started lobbying in 1990. So what's wow, that? Okay. 29 years, almost 30. Very cool. And, and, and has it always been here in the state of Texas? Always. Well, I, I, uh, I started my career as a, a corporate lobbyist, so I traveled the country. Uh, 
uh, had 30 states, I think, at one time uh, all over the place. But for the last 26 years, it's been only in Texas. Okay. And Craig, how about you? I started lobbying in 2004, but I've been working around the Capitol since 1994. Uh, and started off lobbying for a largest trade association in the state, the Realtors. And uh, from there, uh, went back in-house uh, to work in the Speaker's office a couple of years ago. And I've been doing contract lobby work since 2012. Okay. And how about you, Amy? Um, I started working at the Capitol in 2005 and started lobbying in 2007. I worked for a law firm. Um, I was kind of their junior lobbyist and was given an issue and just kind of great luck came along. And my boss was in Italy and the issue became a huge fire and I got to kind of shine and started lobbying pretty quickly. That's awesome. So, I mean, between the three of y'all, I mean, we're talking over 50 years, maybe 56 years of experience, you know, at the Capitol lobbying for, I mean, contract lobbying and or with with corporations. That's, I mean, a lot of, a lot of firepower there, which is, I think one of the reasons that, that we are working with you guys. And so we've been, we've been very thrilled with that. So I guess just to start off, you know, I'll, I'll open up with the first question. I'll kind of hand it over to Bill and Sam, but I just want to start at a very high level before we dive into the the poker and the gambling aspect of it. Um, just to give our listeners an idea, like, like what is a typical, I was going to say day, but a typical session, like, so, so, most people may not be aware that the Texas legislature is only in what every two years, right? And yeah, so the Texas legislature meets constitutionally for 140 days every other year. So starting in early January, the second Tuesday after the the, the first Tuesday after the second Monday in January is when they convene, and they go for 140 calendar days. So so outside of that 140 days, like you, they don't pass laws. Like I, we can't just go submit a bill, and like none of that can happen outside of that window. Is that is that accurate? That's correct. Okay. And, and so, is it as a lobbyist? I mean, do y'all just so y'all work 140 days every two years? That's pretty. It's pretty cush job. I mean, can I sign up for that? <laughs> no, it, 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 unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. We wish it did, uh, but we are glad that you know it, it is only 140 days every two years. You know, there's a lot of interim activity, uh, committee meetings that are occurring constantly. Uh, a lot of agency rulemaking, agency actions, all kinds of different things going on. So we're we're constantly busy. So so you're already kind of looking looking to the was it 2021 session? I mean, are you already Correct. planning for that? Or are you kind of wrapping up things from the last session this year? We wrap up pretty quickly, usually. Uh, so after the legislative session ends, and in, in, in this year at the end of May, there's a there's a 21 uh, day period that the governor has to uh, to sign and or veto or let a bill become law without his signature. Uh, we kind of wrap up during that time period. And then de- usually during session years, the summer after a, a legislative session is a, is a decompression. And we're just kind of coming out of that. And in, in, in the fall, September kind of marks the beginning of the following year's campaign uh, schedule. The, uh, the, 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 mar- the primaries for uh, state house and state senator uh, will be in March. Filing deadline is at uh, sometime in December, so uh, you know we'll start to see who's going to be running for office again. How many of these guys are retiring? How many are not retiring? Okay. How many are going to come back and run again? So that's what we're. That's really where we are right now. The interim committees will, that Craig talked about will be issued sometime probably in October. Uh, it'll be what the the committees that are in place from the session will look at. For the next, you know, eighteen months, roughly. And in these committees, they're the ones that decide like what bills are 
heard or, or, or not heard? Is that kind of what they what they do? The chairman makes those decisions. Okay. The chairman of each committee makes the, the decisions on what bills are heard. Or like, not like heard. what's what's an example of a committee that like like, like what are the committees that we care about? Like, like, like as 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 people who are looking to pass legislation in the gaming industry, like, like, like is there a specific committee that, that, that we would be more interested in or is there just, or is it all of them? Yeah. So in the Senate, there's the business and commerce committee, which handles gambling issues. And then in the house, there's the house committee on uh, license and administrative procedures. And both of those committees have jurisdiction over our issues. Speaking, speaking of the bills that the, we had met back in uh, late April when we had heard the hearing on house bill, was it six, nine, nine, six, Two six six nine. Two six six nine. We were there. We heard the hearing. What exactly happened to that bill after that? It, it, did it get through that? Where does it go? Where did it end up? Can you what, tell us what happened to that? So that bill, and this is actually kind of an interesting story. That's the first time a uh, poker room regulatory bill has ever been heard in a public hearing uh, in the legislative process. Um, so it gave us a chance to kind of educate these members who are really not as in tune to the poker industry in Texas as, as one would like. Uh, it was, there was a public hearing held. Uh, they left the bill pending. Uh, we had been constantly kind of talking to those members and working them on, uh, loosening up their, their feelings on poker and, we're getting a warm reaction, but there's still those detractors out there that have specific interests, uh, which don't necessarily align with poker clubs in the state of Texas. And, and mainly those are entities uh, on the Texas border, Las Vegas. Uh, there's uh, other input from horse racing to horse, dog racing and bingo and everything in between. But you can bet that every one of these uh, interests – have a lobbyist who are uh, working these issues, but on the other side of us. So and you're saying, just to be clear, you're saying there are lobbyists that have interests outside of Texas that are working to prevent certain things from happening in Texas just for their own reasons. Well, to be more specific, there are businesses outside the state of Texas who hire lobbyists in the Texas, uh, in Texas to protect their interests. If you spend a billion dollars on a casino in, in Oklahoma and just across the state border and you're pulling a, a large percentage of your um, uh, uh, players in from Texas, you don't want to have to spend another billion dollars to build a casino in Dallas. Yeah, that's a shame. You know, and there's, uh, there are a lot of airlines that uh, may fly customers to specific locations in the, in the state of Nevada. Any type of expansion of gambling impacts those businesses. And so all of these businesses have an interest in kind of what we're doing. We've not now let me be clear, we've not seen any of those airlines engage in our issue yet, but that's an example of something that could happen. Yeah, so it's not just the, the casinos themselves, it's all the ancillary things around them that that provide services and transport people. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's crazy that the whole it, it, it's just there's so many things around what goes into casino gambling in not, not just Oklahoma, but Vegas. I mean, I never really thought about that. Like, like so it's not just and, and it's not yeah. a pro or con gaming. Yeah. It's protecting the interest of, of their client. It's a business decision. It's yeah. a business. Yeah. Decision. And so and, and, and yeah, I mean, you can't I mean, for the most part, you can't fault people for trying to make smart business. Absolutely decisions. Not. Yeah. 
right. I mean, if you if you invest, like James said, a billion dollars in a business, you're going to do whatever you can to protect that in the bottom line. Let me ask you this. You just you guys and ladies have your pulse on you know the 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 Texas, I guess, politics and legislature. I mean, I'm curious to know, like, how often is the average state rep or state senator? And I'll ask this to you, Amy. Like, how often do they think about this issue? Like, is, is gambling a, like a a daily topic there, or is this something that we that you have to kind of tell them about, or do they, they do they just know about it when a bill comes up? Like, how how in tune is the average um, lawmaker with this issue? I would say, with regard to poker rooms, um, most of them are not that in tune to the issues because they don't have. I mean, there's just not as many of them. But um, a good example was the eight liner issue this session, where it seemed to be on everybody's radar. There were I don't know 16 different bills in different forms that were bracketed. And then a statewide bill kind of passed to, to address that issue that a lot of people were having in their districts. So, you know, if, if they're hearing on the ground that it becomes an issue, law enforcement's complaining, consumers are complaining, um, local businesses are complaining, then you're going to see people react. And, and we saw that. We saw a lot of bills filed on the eight-liner issue this session. Um, poker rooms, we're not seeing that much activity. Okay. And is that, is that because the eight-liners have become so prevalent and I guess they're causing issues in so many different counties that it, it boiled to a point to where they, they felt had like to they do had something to do something about it. Okay. Yep, absolutely. But, but poker rooms, you don't, you don't feel are at that stage yet. Not at all. Okay. No, 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 like, like, are they close or not even on the, uh, not even I in the same? I don't feel like they're on most lawmakers radar. I think there are a handful of members who even understand what how, how what the business model uh, is of the poker rooms that that, that you guys operate and uh, uh, you know that's part of uh, our job is to educate them on those issues uh, try to get them out to see your uh, your businesses explain to them why your businesses are are legal as opposed to the home games who are taking a rake aren't legal is is this the first time this drum has ever been beat in Texas regarding poker rooms there've been bills filed in the past uh, there were not as organized efforts uh, surrounding those bills. Um, and so they weren't heard. Um, there were a handful of people that were pushing them. Uh, we're a little bit more organized, and we've gotten a lot more buy-in this time around. That's why the bill was heard. Uh, and so there are definitely members out there that want to look at this, um, you know, one of the problems also is you have a state that has, you know, $10 billion in surplus revenue. The main, the main time that a state passes legalization of gambling or something like that, like casinos, is when they're broke. Uh, so they're not looking for money right now necessarily. They, they will be, uh, but they're not turning over every stone. Uh, with that said, though, there have been several people who know that we can generate revenue in these areas, and we're talking to them. The Texas legislature is set up for failure. Uh, bills are not designed to pass. We we pass about there's about a twenty percent pass rate of, of legislation. So there are about seven thousand bills passed, uh, seven thousand bills filed this session. Only about twenty. It's a little sh- sh- uh, shy of twenty percent actually passed through to the governor and become law. And some of those are, you know, the, the state bird. The state and most of those are resolutions and local MUDs being created, right. you know. The, the other thing that we usually tell uh, people who want to pass legislation is that uh, uh, passing a bill takes a, at least three sessions. The first session you introduce the bill, 
you're lucky if you get a hearing. Uh, the second session, you hope to progress that bill uh, maybe onto the floor for some discussion there. And the third session, you know, possibly you get that bill through both both bodies and signed or and or uh, approved by the governor. It's a it's a long process. How much importance do you put on it? I know six years ago when I tried to run legislation before I had opened a club, or there, there was any cl- club open across the state. Trying to run legislation and bring awareness to these reps and senators while your business is still hypothetical versus now you guys are coming representing Social Card Clubs of Texas that has five or six reputable clubs as members, and we all know that the scope of poker clubs isn't quite as big as Amy said as the slot machines and eight-liners are, but there's still 30 or 40 clubs across the state with more than a dozen of them being you know, big business and, and large, large scale of impact. So I, I, my, I guess my question would be now that the clubs are as big as they are now, like, is that more impactful rep, when you represent a larger scope of people across the state? Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons that we actually created Scott is to bring all these folks together and have a kind of a uniform business uh, and also show the kind of impact that all of these clubs make on the local economy. Um, you're stronger altogether than you are individually, and that's what's been so successful to this point in organizing the association so that we can all speak with one voice. Well, during y'all's lobby day, we had um, uh, members of Scott from all over the state, and they were able to come in and tell anecdotes about the, uh, uh, their, their card houses, and I think that goes a long ways in and helping us get to where we need to be. Yeah, and we were able to go to reps' offices who had clubs in their own district. That that helps instead of just bringing something that they know nothing about, but we're bringing something saying, "Hey, there are you know hundred players, thousand players, however many players in your own backyard. You know, these are these are your constituents." Yeah, just just for our listeners, so they know uh, what we are referring to the lobby day, because a lot of people might not even be aware that this happened, but. Um, the Social Card Clubs of Texas. What we did was we arranged a day where we had all of the club owners. We invited them in from out of you know out of the out of town uh, during session, and we had you know Craig, James, and Amy uh, essentially set up meetings where we actually went and met with um, the representatives of each of our respective you know cities or, or districts. And so it was a really good showing. I mean, we had a, a really good time. I think the reception was very well. Being able to sit down and kind of you know. Um, Having these lawmakers hear from one of their constituents who owns a business in you know in in their their area, um, I mean, I thought it was great. And so, um, you know, a lot of people may not be aware that that happens. So that's what what they're referring to when they say the lobby lobby day. Or- yeah, and I think the interesting thing about that too are the number of people who were very familiar along the staff level. Yeah, the member might not be as familiar with it, but yeah. a lot of the staff were very familiar. There oh, were a couple of offices it- in particular here in the Austin area. That we're very familiar with Texas Card House. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and same thing with uh, SA Card House in San Antonio, as I yeah. recall, in a couple of meetings. So, um, you know, that that's always a, a fun thing when, when they've, they've already seen the experience and can be an advocate as a player. No, absolutely. How often, as contract lobbyists, do you get things kind of like us? I know Ryan had some mutual friends with you and, you had some relationships with my dad, and so we, we knew each other. But how often do you get people coming to you with just ideas that are you, know, you would consider just out of the blue or completely never done before and might need state legislation? Is that something that comes to you 
often or is that you know, was our circumstance relatively unique? Well, for me personally, it's rare that I get the opportunity to help create an industry. Uh, usually most of my clients are, are, are an established industry uh, and, and they vary from all over the spectrum. Uh, so that's an unusual perspective for, my, for me. Yeah, I mean, we, we've worked on some um, emerging technology issues in the past with the Ubers and other things like that. Uh, but like like James said, that's fairly rare. Yeah, and one of the things that, you know, kind of give me a little bit of backstory on that, when, when the Social Car Clubs of Texas was formed, you know, we got together, there, there was some stuff going on between the Texas Cardhouse and SA Cardhouse. We met those guys and ultimately – you know, Sam, you and I and Foster, uh, you know, we kind of sat down with, with, uh, at the time I know it was you, Craig, and we kind of talked about like, Hey, you know, how do we provide some clarity around what we're doing? And, and, and that's kind of, was kind of the origin of the social car clubs of Texas, you know, cause we, we were kind of struggling to figure out like, what is the right path to, you know, organize people to, 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 to make something happen? Because it seemed, it sounded so daunting, at least to me, like try to, to try to, pass a bill or even submit a bill. And so, uh, you know, we're very appreciative of, of the guidance you guys have given us, because I think with, without that, you know, I think we'd still be a bunch of disparate clubs just trying to figure out what to do. And so thank you guys for, for, for the help in, in, in doing that. Cause you know, I think a lot of the success we've had is just because of our partners, you know, you, y'all as our lobbyists, uh, the contract lobbyists and the attorneys that we've worked with. So it's been very beneficial, a huge learning process for me. A year ago, I could not have told you anything about the state legislature and, and how that stuff works. And I feel like now, you know, I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination, but at least, you know, I feel like I have an understanding of it. And and we as the Social Card Clubs of Texas, the association, at least we have a good understanding of what it's going to take and the, the I'll, I'll say the battle that's in front of us to, 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 to provide that clarity, because I think we all agree that what we're doing is legal. Uh, but what we want to do is, is provide um, you know, that, that comfort level to, um, not just our members and players, but to other lawmakers and to DAs and all those other groups, because you know, ultimately we just want everyone to be on the same page. And I think that makes it easier for everyone. And so I'm curious to know, like, like do, do y'all in your personal opinion, just knowing what you know about the industry and about the state, um, let's fast forward. I mean, you think 10 years from now, 15 years from now, do you think um, you, you know, that we will still have the same ambiguity around poker in Texas. Do you think full-fledged casino gambling will be in Texas? I'm curious to know, like, where do you think this could possibly evolve to over time? Like, like and just based on all the forces that you see interacting at that state level, lobbyists, I mean, any of you feel free to answer. I'm just kind of curious to know, like, if, if you pull out your crystal ball, you know, what, what do you see? Yeah, let me shake my little eight ball here and figure <laughs> out what it, what it says. Um, Try again. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> nice. I like that. Um, you know, it, it it's difficult to know where where you'll end up in ten years, but I, ultimately, I think it'll be a a good while before we see full blown, bright shiny casinos in the state of Texas. Um, maybe not even in my lifetime. Um, our economy is so diverse, and like I said, in order for the legislature to adopt full blown casinos. I think they're going to have to be broke. Um, so I do think, you know, let, let's be clear on something. What I th- what our goal is, is to create some sort of a regulatory structure that protects your business. Yeah. So that you do officially eliminate any type of ambiguity. There are always going to be people um, with the way the law is structured right now 
that just have a personal feeling, not a legal opinion, but a personal feeling that they don't want gambling in their county. And so those are difficult risks to, to take on. Uh, even though the law is in your favor, it's still expensive and burdensome, and uh, it, it it makes for a challenging business. Uh, but these clubs are illegal, and creating some sort of a regulatory structure that helps to protect the industry and eliminate some of the folks who operate on, under the under the radar screen and take a rake, that's the goal. Yeah. I, I agree with Craig. I don't know uh, where the state is headed uh, on full-blown casino gambling. I think, uh, you know, we have a lot of smaller issues to address before we ever get to that. Uh, fantasy sports betting, uh, excuse me, fantasy sports gaming, uh, our games, the, the, you know, there's still ambiguity around that issue, uh, whether uh, the uh, sports betting parlors, sure. uh, you know, the federal law, uh, the, 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 the Supreme Court of the United States uh, uh, said about a year ago, maybe not that long, it might have been during session, I can't remember when it happened, that every state could have a, 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 a sports betting uh so those are those are smaller incremental steps. I think that uh, we may see, along with the the, the, the clarifications that we've talked about, uh, those are the smaller incremental steps that we may see before we get to full blown casino gaming. But yeah, and just to be clear, I mean we're, we're not lobbying for full blown casino gambling, but we're trying to protect poker, uh, you know, and, and social card clubs uh, right. that are doing it responsibly in the state. So uh, yeah, I think it's I, I'm glad you you pointed that out uh, and, and clarified that because. Um, we're not. We are not as, a, as as the social card clubs of Texas trying to legalize gambling carte blanche across the state. You just made a really good point. You said protect the poker industry. You, our our number one goal is to protect the statute that's there under Chapter Forty Seven of the Penal Code. And so, our our goal every single session is to make sure that nothing happens to those three points that you have to meet in order to have Texas card house. Yes. Um, that's the number one objective that we have as con- as lobbyists for, for social cards clubs of Texas. It's to everybody's benefit to have the, the, the card clubs that we have now because they're, they're uh, safe environments to, to play a game that we all love. Is there anybody out there aggressively trying to lobby against these clubs right now? Yes. <laughs> we didn't see a bill filed this time to, to change Chapter 47 of the Penal Code, um, but there are people who would like to, to see these clubs disappear. There's a number of religious groups that have lobbyists um, that did come out against our bill, I, the border I, tribes that you mentioned also. But, um, I remember when we were sitting in that hearing, the only people that were against it were the Kickapoos. There was a lot more people against the coastal gaming bill that was read right after ours. So are there more people jumping on the bandwagon to try to uh, go against these clubs? I have to tell you, just because somebody doesn't sign up against your bill or for your bill doesn't mean that they aren't against you. That just means they're not going public with it. But they're working this, you know, behind the scenes and talking to those members, um, especially the ones that, you know, where it's their member, their district. They're out there. I mean, you know, and you... I wouldn't be surprised if there were uh, folks in the underground card room uh, 
that are organized or have some sort of uh, engagement over at the state capitol. Yeah, I mean, if you're making millions of dollars on a rake, you're going to protect your business. Yeah, I mean that makes sense because you know. I mean, not, not. I mean, they're running a, 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 a game underground. I mean, they're doing the lobbyists kind of behind the scenes, lobbying behind the scenes as well. I mean, that's not surprising, I don't think, to any of us. Because one thing we, I think, we all can agree on is in cities where we have, you know, you know, these social card clubs, um, the underground games have taken a pretty big beating. I mean, they like, like they've, they, they've, not, not been wiped out, but, but I mean, I think the numbers. I mean, um, was it Foster in, in San Antonio last week said that. I mean, it's by like a factor of like twenty, like, like you know, you know, one in every twenty underground games that was running before is now still surviving. So, I think it's an interesting number and it's an interesting fact because you're right; those guys probably are trying to protect you know the income that they've had. Well, uh, so any other questions, Sam, Bill, that you guys have for um, you know any of our our guys here? Just any other follow up questions? Nothing from me. How about you, Sam? I have the luxury of having a father who had been a lobbyist for my entire lifetime. So, I mean, the inner workings and, and of this, I'm, I'm a lot more familiar with. But I, I, I see it every day, what, what goes on down, downtown behind the scenes. Is there anything that the listener can do, like the casual listener that, you know, is, is you know, pro-social card clubs and wants this expansion? What can they do just as representing themselves? Um, I think if you are a player in one of these card houses, I think it's important that you, you know, tell your state representative and state senator how much you appreciate being able to play poker, you know, in a safe environment. And for them to hear that all interim long and not just when session rolls around, I think it's important. And then I think as a card house, I think it's um, incredibly important to be a good community player, to be involved in the community, um, highlight, you know, the benefits that you provide your employees and the safe environment you provide the players. And just to make sure you're talking about it, you know, all throughout the interim and not just during session. Yeah, it's constant promotion. It, like you said, it's not just when you know they're in the office at the most busy times of day. I mean, you, you can you can look up who your who your state rep and who your senator is, and you can drop a line or an email relatively simply. I mean, and, and these guys are in the community. They're not like congressmen. They you know they live with you, they work with you. They you know they're out there. They're accessible. Let them know how you feel about it. If you know them. On a personal level, invite them to go play cards with you. Let them see what it's like inside these 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 social clubs. Um, yeah, and, and and on that topic, I know another way they can help as well. <laughs> it's by playing in the uh, the Texas Poker Championship Series, which is coming up uh, oh, weekend after next. We have those those dates handy. <laughs> we do, we do. So uh, just for for all of you listeners out there, you know the Texas Poker Championship Series uh, actually is going to be hosted in gosh five different cities this time. So. Uh, September 20th, 21st, and 22nd are all day ones. Uh, on that on that Saturday, I believe the 21st, we have uh, SA, uh, SA, in addition to SA Cardhouse and Texas Cardhouse uh, in Houston, San Antonio, and, and Austin, we have Kojax Poker Club in Midland and House of Kings in El Paso. So five cities in the state of Texas um, kind of combining to do this Texas Poker Championship Series uh, with the day two being on uh, Sunday, September 29th in Houston, Texas at Texas Card House. So, and the Houston Club is running more day ones. That's right. The following weekly, right? I think it's it, the twenty sixth, twenty seventh, and twenty eighth. Yeah, it's that uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, leading up to the Sunday day two. Houston's yeah. got extra flights, but that's pretty cool across the state. People are going to be playing from as far east as Houston and west as El Paso. 
They're yeah, be playing in the same tournament. Yeah, and the majority of the of the of the, uh, of the fee on that tournament goes directly to the Social Card Clubs of Texas, which funds our our efforts here uh, at, at you know at the state capitol in Austin. So, uh, if you want to support Social Card Clubs of Texas, definitely come out, and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. I mean, it's going to be a big tournament. We've got Greg Raymer coming out. One the was it two thousand four, two thousand five? WSOP two thousand four. Two thousand four. Yeah, so he'll be out there. Uh, Jamin Burton uh, is coming out, I think, the first weekend. He'll be at both Austin and Houston. So a lot of big names playing in this tournament, so really excited. Actually, Maria Ho is flying in on uh, September 20th. She may come over to the Card House and play that weekend, too. That's awesome. Very good, very good. Well, I know where I'll be on the 20th of September. (laughs) (laughs) You should come to the Bulls and Blackjack party that they're throwing in Houston. That is a poker tournament to help raise money for Wade Smith Foundation. Wade Smith is going to be at the Texas Card House in Houston on – Tomorrow, Wednesday the 11th, and then also on Wednesday the 18th to uh, put some notoriety around this event. And we're going to be giving away two tickets to first place that uh, in the tournaments that we're having on both those Wednesdays. So those are chance to win tickets into a bigger tournament where you can win a $10,000 vacation package. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I just want to thank uh, you know Craig, Amy, um, uh, James. Thank you all for spending the time with us today to kind of go through all this. Uh, love to have you guys back on in a couple of months just to kind of you – know, I'm sure we're going to get follow-up questions from all of our uh, clubs and, and members. And so uh, thank you all again for, for joining us. I think this has been great. I mean it's, I think it's going to – our listeners are going to really enjoy hearing uh, you know, y'all's thoughts on you know uh, poker in Texas. Hey, you bet. Thanks for having thanks us. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thank you. Cool. Well, thanks, guys, and we'll see you guys next week.